Hello, and welcome to The Green Pill. I'm Kevin Wacky, and this is the podcast about public goods and regenerative crypto economics. Today's episode is with Santi Siri, who is the founder of Proof of Humanity. Very, very excited to have Santi on the podcast. He is a source of relentless optimism and innovation in the Ethereum space, and especially regenerative crypto economics. I see him as a crusader for civil resistance and UBI. As a founder of Proof of Humanity, Gitcoin has a relationship with Santi Siri where he is exporting civil resistance into Gitcoin. And we were one of the first integrations into Proof of Humanity, which is a civil resistance mechanism that is Ethereum native. Um, Proof of Humanity is a civil resistance mechanism as its base layer, but they've also launched UBI, which is a token that is streamed to members of the Proof of Humanity registry every second of every day and provides UBI upon which there's actually dozens, if not hundreds of people that are relying on for that for financial support. So uh, using Ethereum to solve poverty, using Ethereum to solve civil resistance and to create a more digital democratic world that is regenerative crypto economics. And I am so excited to bring you Santi Siri, the founder of Proof of Humanity. Alchemix is a DeFi app that offers self-repaying loans that lets you spend money and save money at the same time. Alchemix allows you to deposit the DAI stablecoin into its vaults, which earns some of the highest yields that DeFi has to offer. You can then take a loan from Alchemix of up to 50% of the deposited DAI, and that loan automatically pays itself back from the yield that is generated from your deposit. It's a savings account that the banks don't want you to know about. Alchemix also has ETH vaults available, so you can get a self-repaying loan that's denominated in ETH. Coming up in Alchemix V2 is a bunch of cool new features, such as credit delegation, multi-chain expansion, and DAO revenue sharing and vote boosting. Alchemix lets you get your interest payments on your deposits paid to you upfront. Check out the power of Alchemix at alchemix.fi, and make sure to join their extremely vibrant Discord if you want to participate in governance or have any questions about the project. Bankless is proud to be sponsored by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum that lets you trade any token at the current market price. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. The Uniswap Grants Program is accepting applications for grants. Do you have something of value that you think you want to contribute to the Uniswap ecosystem? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at uniswapgrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. All right. Hello, everyone. I am here with Santi Siri, the founder of Proof of Humanity. What's up, Santi? What's up, Kevin? A pleasure to be talking with you, my friend. Yeah, likewise. Uh, tell us about Proof of Humanity and what you've been up to. So Proof of Humanity isn't even a year. Uh, we start, launched the protocol in March 2021. So uh, mm -hmm. it's been quite crazy since. Uh, it's a civil resistant protocol for formalizing human identity on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we're doing a universal basic income cryptocurrency called UBI. And um, ever since we launched this project, it's been quite a roller coaster for us. Um, it's, it's a nice team involved with some folks coming from the Kledos team, which is an arbitration system built on the blockchain, and some folks coming from Democracy Earth, which is a foundation that I run, trying to research democracy for the information age. And uh, it's been uh, you know, quite, a, quite a thrill to launch something like this. And 
so far the, the registry keeps growing, you know, more people keep joining from all over the world and especially a lot of people also from Latin America, especially because many of us founders come from, from, from there. Mm-hmm. Got it. So it seems like, uh, for me being familiar with your, your work, I originally knew you through democracy earth where you were researching democracy for the information age. And I guess it, would it be fair to say that you discovered the opportunity for proof of humanity through that work? Yeah, pretty much. Like when we started Democracy Earth was uh, after the experience of doing a political party in Argentina, uh, the Partido de la Red or the Net Party. And uh, we started building technology, trying to figure out what it takes to build a democracy over the internet. What are the big hurdles? And we kept doing pilots uh, of democracy all over the world. We have done pilots in Hong Kong, in Tunisia, in, in Spain, in Mexico, you name it. And uh, quite clearly, one of the you know killer aspects of this, or, or choke points uh, aspects of these pilots, was you know, whoever runs the registry of voters, whoever gets to decide who gets the right to vote, pretty much can tumble the election. Uh, so pretty pretty quickly, we realized in some of the pilots we got you know civil attacked by. Uh, uh, you know, a single IP coming from China in Hong Kong, sending like apparently hundreds of thousands of fake users uh, hijacking or, or shadow referendum to elect a, a major for Hong Kong, which was done in Telegram. Mm. Uh, or in Argentina, we've done a pilot on, and also like uh, the Workers' Party suddenly injected a lot of fake accounts into the mm. system. So the problem of identity clearly became very relevant and like Edward Snowden once said, you know, identity is the one vulnerability being exploited across all systems. So um, mm-hmm. it was really interesting to converge into this conversation around proof of humanity. Uh, a lot of folks are, were interested into researching that particular problem, including Vitalik himself. And mm-hmm. that led to the creation of the proof of humanity protocol, uh, which will launch in March last year. And it's, you know, a very simple way to try to figure out how to create human identity without relying on a big brother or a centralized authority that could uh, really influence or, or, or uh, change the registry. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting because yeah. now since we launched, we have been able to actually run a democratic DAO. The proof of humanity DAO is mm-hmm. one person, one vote. Uh, it uses liquid democracy, so you can delegate your vote to someone else. And right. It's one of the first... Uh, democratic experiments running on Ethereum. Yeah, I I think just think that there's a huge opportunity, Santi, to move a a whole ecosystem from one token, one vote or one CPU, one vote schemes to one human, one vote. And what I just like have a ton of respect for with proof of humanity is that you've solved that foundational building block. Um, And and that enables not only UBI, which is the natively integrated uh, crypto economic mechanism in, in the proof of humanity DAO, but also, for what I'm working on with quadratic funding at Gitcoin Grants, it's a it's a building block of of what we're doing with quadratic funding because quadratic funding falls apart if you can make up new identities and vote with the mechanism. So, um, first off, I just want to make sure that we pinch and zoom on that and and that the audience can recognize how much of a foundational building block uh, for upgrading digital democracy, civil resistance, and and identity is. Um, but I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the UBI side of the coin with proof of humanity. Uh, you know, how how does that work? I think that I think that it streams to my wallet every block, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
That's correct. Uh, so the smart contract of the UBI token is actually very simple. It's once you get verified on proof of humanity, that means that your address, the address that you have used for proof of humanity is uh, able to start accruing uh, UBI tokens at a rate of one UBI per hour. So you start accumulating actually in real time. It get The token gets streamed into your wallet. So you, it's like a fraction of UBI per second or every, actually you will see it on MetaMask updating every 15 seconds or so when every new block uh, is changed to, to the blockchain. Um, and the, the challenge with the UBI token, of course, is to generate uh, different use cases, to generate utility and to generate an ecosystem around it that helps uh, reduce the supply in order to help everyone that is accruing UBI through proof of humanity. So now we have, you know, different NFT projects that are doing different kinds of games that are burning UBI. We have um, a couple of uh, wire and vaults that accumulate ether and generate some yield with that ether, and we use the yield to burn UBI tokens. Um, you know, a, a wide range of projects uh, that are uh, coming up and being developed uh, on, uh, that are trying to, you know, burn UBI tokens. And I think that as we become much more you know, connected to the ecosystem of Ethereum as a whole, um, the, the whole narrative around the UBI will get very, very interesting. Uh, Vitalik himself, he actually bought a huge chunk of UBI tokens with his Shiba Inu tokens and burned them. Uh, he actually burned almost the entire supply of UBI available on <laughs> Uniswap, which was pretty cool. And uh, then he started actually accumulating. Mm. Now he's one of the UBI whales himself. Um, so it's exciting to see that Ethereum mm. can, can start addressing, you know, this this social challenge of, you know, the thing about UBI that excites me the most is that it can right. really hold the promise of, you know, addressing poverty or addressing people that are really, you know, trying to, to mm -hmm. meet the, the, you know, their, their, their daily needs. Yeah. And, and this is a way that Ethereum can become very helpful in society. Right. And that's one of the things, as you know, I'm interested in exploring on this podcast is ways that Ethereum can create positive externalities for the world and not just for the world, but like the everyday people in it. And UBI is this exciting mechanism because once you get people able to pay their rent, pay their electricity bills, pay their groceries, they can focus more on the self-actualization layer of of their human needs and less on just making ends meet. Um, and, and I think that that's a really interesting mechanism for creating more human flourishing. Is, is UBI of the proof of humanity variety the largest UBI experiment in the world? I just think it's so crazy that bureaucrats uh, and governments for so long have been talking about UBI and it seems like you've created one of the most successful experiments without the backing of a nation state or funding it with taxes. Yeah, that's a, a, I'm a. I'm a bit shy of making a statement like that. But if you look into the academic <laughs> literature of experiments of UBI being done since the 70s onwards, uh, there's not a, a UBI experiment as large as this one. We had over 50 million dollars worth of UBI being transacted with the token. Uh, almost, uh, it's going to be 15,000 people very mm -hmm. soon joining the Proof of Humanity registry. It's not a lot if you compare it with traditional Web2 systems. But with other decentralized identity systems, I think it's growing in a very nice way. And uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's uh, it's been going on for almost a year now, uh, and it's uh, exciting to see where this moves forward because of the incredible support of the entire Ethereum mm -hmm. community. 
Amazing. So can you paint me a picture of uh, where this is all going five or 10 years out? What do you think that UBI proof of humanity ecosystem will have evolved into? Well, definitely, I hope that we are able to uh, reduce some of the hurdles of what it takes to uh, what it takes to do a proof of humanity profile. Like right now, the, the deposit requirement is prohibited to a lot of people. We have a crowdfunding mechanism, but of course, we want to make that way more efficient. Uh, hopefully, you know, with uh, scalability layer twos, we'll be able to make the whole system also work with much more friendly fees. Um, and trying to really start talking in the range of millions of users and not just thousands of users. Uh, and then there's the whole ecosystem around UBI. I'm, I'm very supportive of projects out there, uh, you know, either metaverse projects or NFT projects or uh, DeFi projects that are looking into ways of using their fees to burn UBI. So any project that you start uh, burning UBI with, uh, automatically becomes a project that has solidarity with everyone receiving UBI in the first place. So it's very easy to turn a, a video game or you know any kind of entertainment or any kind of DeFi system into something that has you know solidarity with the people. Uh, the second you know it uses fees to burn uh, this token. So uh, I hope to see an ecosystem of you know applications and. and and cool shit built uh, around the idea of uh, burning UBI because mm. the, the effect that you, it will have on the users, the, the embracement that you know it will automatically receive the love of the entire proof of humanity community, and uh, mm. I think that uh, you know it's a, it's a great way of making our entertainment hours uh, a little bit more purposeful than you know mm. just uh, you know playing a game and, and that's it. Mm. Amazing. I um I, I want to like pinch and zoom on the UBI bit because I know that there's people whose lives have been changed by UBI today. I asked you the question of what's where's it going to be in five or ten years, and and I think that it's you know it's interesting to think about millions of users using using UBI, but the seed of that legitimacy for the millions of users story is the thousands of users who are who are using it right now and and receiving, I think in some cases on the order of $1,200 per month, like enough to pay their their rent and really accomplish the goals of UBI. Is, is that more or less accurate? Yeah, yeah I mean, in Argentina, uh, where, where I come from, I you know, of course, mm -hmm. there's a nice community over there. And a lot of people are suddenly actually using Web3 for the first time in their lives mm. through proof of humanity and through researching and wanting to learn about UBI. So it's an exciting you know, onboarding mechanism for crypto as a whole. Uh, where, you know, you don't need to have a bank account, you don't need to go through an exchange in order to get onboarded into something like Proof of Humanity. Proof of Humanity gives you like a little bit of crypto and a little bit, you know, and an account and a Web3 account and you're ready to go. And um, that's a, a nice way of, you know, starting onboarding mechanisms that are not relying on traditional exchanges or traditional fintech or, or you know, tra tra fi, you know, traditional finance uh, which at the end of the day, a lot of the onboarding of crypto today is still reliant on the traditional banking system. So it's been a great way mm -hmm. to onboard new people to crypto for the first time. They are not coming, you know, maybe are not even bankerized, but uh, mm -hmm. through this mechanism, they have a little crypto to start spending or to start experimenting with the different systems that they will discover on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the one incredible thing about UBI you know, even though, you know, the founding team, we are all people that have been living, you know, in a nomadic life internationally, 
uh, but mm. actually our largest community right now is Spanish speaking. It's mostly has been most impactful in Latin America. Of course, mm-hmm. we have users all over the world, but the fact that it's able to reach a, a region that desperately needs crypto, desperately needs an alternative to the to the financial system or to the corrupt institutions in, in, in our countries, I think it's a, a great statement that you know UBI is impacting where it, where it need, it's needed the most. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm hopeful to see this you know growing over the years. I'm, you know, if, if you ask me on a 10-year, 20-year time frame, or maybe 30-year time frame, you know, a couple of decades from now, I think crypto has the potential to help everyone a- anywhere in the planet to be able to meet uh, you know, their needs uh, on, on, uh, on everyday life. Like we can see crypto delivering global UBI for everyone. And, and to, to me, you know, the, the, the exciting thing about this project is that, that it's also a level playing field technology. The person in Madagascar or Mozambique or, or in India receives the same amount of UBI than someone in Connecticut mm. or London or you know, LA. And this level playing field technology is a miracle of what we can do with these crypto networks. And that's the challenge, you know, how we can grow and, and make sure this is yeah, like everyone is, is welcome here. Absolutely mm-hmm. everyone. And that's, that's yeah. the biggest challenge we face. Yeah, I mean, I think the possible scale of this is just incredible, given that anyone can participate from anywhere across the world. So I want to drill in and in and really put a um, a visceral note on this because I, I think that you know you can talk about the system and you can talk about the numbers until the cows come home, but until you really talk about the examples, then I, I think that sometimes it's not completely visceral for everyone. But you were recently in uh, Buenos Aires with Vitalik walking around and and I know that there's been inflation in our, uh, in Buenos Aires and the pandemic. And uh, can you tell me what it was like to meet the users that you're affecting with this system and to be walking around with, with Vitalik? I bet he's quite the celebrity down there. It was wild. You know, um, it, it's, I haven't been in Argentina since uh, two years ago, since the pandemic mm-hmm. started. So suddenly I go back to my country two years later after the pandemic. And uh, it turns out that the perfect combination of high inflation, capital controls, subsidized energy, combined with the pandemic that apparently gave a lot of people time to learn about this stuff on YouTube, combined with the bull market of 21, suddenly I arrived to Buenos Aires. You know, I'm flying there to help Vitalik to, you know, uh, have an, an, uh, to have the best possible experience as he learns about my country and hopefully my country to discover this amazing human being Vitalik Buterin is. And uh, the first thing I realized very quickly is that Vitalik has Mick Jagger status in Argentina. Like crypto became really, really, (laughs) the the adoption of crypto really accelerated, accelerated significantly. I'm used to seeing in the developer community, you know, in the hacker community of Buenos Aires, I knew that we already had a lot of developers and a lot of hackers building on Ethereum. But suddenly I discovered that everyone you know, under 30 years old in Buenos Aires is using crypto. And they're using it because they need it, not because it's a theoretical quirk or an opportunity to you know, make more money. They use it because we don't have a currency. We don't have a legal ability to buy U.S. dollars. We use it because we need it. We desperately need to use Ethereum. We desperately need to use stable coins. We desperately need to use this technology for survival. And the adoption of crypto in Argentina is insane. And Vitalik, for the first time, I, I talked about this uh, with him a lot. 
Like for the, it's the first country he visits where he cannot walk one or two blocks without being recognized and someone asking him for a selfie. Like suddenly he discovered a kind of celebrity status or he unlocked a level of celebrity that is worthy mm. of a Hollywood star. And yeah. uh, <laughs> it was uh, very wild to see that. He was actually able to meet uh, a former president of Argentina. He met the city mayor of Buenos Aires. Uh, he met, uh, he did an event that sold out in three minutes uh, for a thousand people uh, that, you know, they, comp- you know, it was an incredible event in a beautiful theater in Buenos Aires and it was widely successful. He met, uh, he even, he had a, a lot of proposals and he even had a proposal to visit a slum and he chose to go to the slum and, he, and we went to this popular neighborhood in Buenos Aires uh, and we walked around with Vitalik, even some uh, left-wing activists joined the, the, the conversation there so he made a wide range of politicians. Uh, you know, he met. He really saw the reality of Argentina, not just the mm. nice places for the tourists. And he was really fascinated by this. Uh, you know, the billboards in the streets of all of the startups offering crypto. Uh, he's you know he discovering a new level of popularity. Uh, the affection and the love of the Argentines for for him was enormous. Um, the media went all all crazy around him, television. You turned on the TV in Argentina during that week and a lot of TV channels were talking about him and who he was. So suddenly a lot of people Mm. learned about Ethereum uh, if they haven't already Mm. for the first time during that week. And it was uh, an incredible experience. I think Vitalik went back, uh, you know, he kept Mm. on traveling his nomadic life and he went back very happy from his experience in Argentina. And I, I was mind blown. This is something that Vitalik said. You know, you have El Salvador, where crypto adoption is top-down. You have the millennial president pushing Bitcoins through everyone's throat. But in Argentina, crypto adoption is bottom-up. It's not a politician, but actually the people that need this and want this and are trying to explore and there are startups being made, there are developers building stuff, there's a lot of users growing the adoption. So I was fascinated by my (laughs) my, my my own city and my own country. I wasn't expecting... That level, you know, I live in Madrid, I live in Spain, and it feels like here in, in Spain, we are 20 years behind Argentina mm-hmm. right now. Like the level of adoption I've seen in Buenos Aires was crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully Vitalik had a, had a great time when, while he was there. Yeah, knowing Vitalik, I know that he's a little bit shy and he may have superstar status, but I don't know if he if he really wants to be a celebrity. Uh, so I think that, that must have produced some probably fun moments. I, I do want to talk about how you said that everyone under 30 years old was using it and not because it was a theoretical thing, but because they they need it uh, and that they don't really have a currency in Argentina. Do you think that cryptocurrency is more legitimate than the Argentinian go- government's currency? That might be a loaded question, but... Oh, no, it's not loaded at all. It's 100% like that. Argentina doesn't have a yeah. currency. Like It really doesn't. Wow. It, 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 you know... Uh, we all Argentines, we have grown with our parents telling us, you know, never trust the Argentine peso. Uh, we have been, you know, fucked over <laughs> over and over mm. again, either through high inflation or either through the, the banks keeping our savings uh, and suddenly devaluing the currency. This has been happening in Argentina for, you know, decades, if not probably centuries since the country was born. Um, and sadly, you know, it's a reality that led to everyone is used to when you buy property or when you buy a car or where you buy something relatively expensive, 
that's priced in US dollars. That's never priced in Argentine pesos. Um, so it's has always been mm-hmm. unofficially like a bimonetarily a bimonetary system, like where you know US dollars and pesos living together, even though it's not like the legal narrative coming from the government. And when crypto emerged, it was a natural fit. Uh, in Argentina, it's a country where you will speak with about inflation with a taxi driver. You will, you know, discuss prices and discuss the economy with absolutely everyone you know. We discuss the economy as much as we discuss about football. Uh, and it's uh, really a wild country in that sense. So the fact that I think that there's a golden generation of, of developers right now, of engineers, uh, between probably between 20 and 35 years old, that have been embracing crypto like crazy. And that's why a lot of the interesting protocols and projects that are happening on Ethereum, a lot of those projects actually had Argentine developers behind them. Uh, if you look into MakerDAO or Decentraland or Kleros or Proof of Humanity or, or you know, uh, Open Zeppelin, uh, Hardhat, you know, all of these tools, it's this generation of developers who are the children of hyperinflation. These are the children of uh, the, you know, the convertibility that led to our savings being stolen by the government and the banks. Uh, and we grew mm-hmm. up watching all these misfortunes, literally speaking, uh, with you know, to our families and to to our communities. And it's clear to me that that's why a new generation of developers embraced Ethereum like uh, nowhere else in the world. And that's why a lot of interesting innovation. Is emerging from there, and and I think that's a it's a blessing in, in in disguise. You know, this all of this economic tragedy that we have been living suddenly, you know, it has is leading to our country leapfrogging, you know, like uh, in in a very fast and aggressive way, the adoption of crypto in in the biggest highway of the of the country, the the billboards in the in, you know around the highway. There's all it's all about uh, crypto startups. And some of these startups raise tens of millions of US dollars uh, in funding. And these are not just startups like in the dot-com era that raise a lot of funding and have no clients. I went and visited some of these startups and they are selling credit cards that do cashback in crypto. They are having, they are selling thousands, hundreds of thousands of credit cards per month. So the, 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 the market is really there. People are really using this technology and it's growing in, mm-hmm. in an incredible way. I haven't seen this in Europe where I live. So it's, it's to me, it's mind blowing the fact that crypto is impacting a place like that in South America mm-hmm. uh, in, in such a profound way that, that, you know, you, and you will see it on the streets. You will see it in the, in the, you know, more and more shops accept stable coins as, as a way of payment. You know, it's, it's a very, becoming a very common practice. And I think mm-hmm. it speaks greatly about this technology, this technology giving people an opportunity Uh, where they needed the most. Right. I think that's amazing validation. Living a bankless life requires taking control of your own private keys. Not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet. But the Ledger ecosystem is much more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet, the Ledger Live app, and soon the CL Crypto Life card powered by Ledger. The CL card powered by Ledger is a crypto debit card with powerful features like an instant exchange to fiat, where crypto assets are only sold at the moment that you swipe your card, and also credit from crypto collateral, 
where you can collateralize your crypto assets in order to get a higher credit limit. You'll be able to manage your CL card powered by Ledger inside the Ledger Live app, right next to all the DeFi apps and services that you're already used to using, making the Ledger Live app your one-stop shop for all of your financial needs. Go to ledger.com, grab a Ledger, and download Ledger Live to get all of your DeFi applications all in one place. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that's going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. Over 250 projects have already deployed on Arbitrum, and Arbitrum's DeFi and NFT ecosystems are growing rapidly. Arbitrum increases Ethereum speed by orders of magnitude for a fraction of the cost of the average gas fee. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of decentralization and security. If you're a developer who wants low gas fees and instant transactions for your users, visit developer.offchainlabs.com to get started building your application on Arbitrum. If you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps or NFT projects building on Arbitrum. Many of your favorite apps are already live, with many more coming over soon. You can find these apps at portal.arbitrum.one, and you can bridge your assets over to Arbitrum using bridge.arbitrum.io in order to experience DeFi and NFTs the way it was always meant to be. Fast, cheap, and friction-free. And one of the things that I don't think, I don't know if it's coming across to the audience, but I've known you for years through your work with Democracy Earth. And before you had launched Proof of Humanity, I think that you were kind of like a, a, a niche star in the activist in digital democracy space as it was budding. And, um, and, and just so that the audience knows that Santi has been toiling and working on these problems for years, and the success is not accidental. I know that you've been working hard systematically to find and validate opportunities for creating more digital democracy and human thriving. And so one of the things that I want to ask about Santi is like, you know, is, is this success like, is it, is it, does it feel validating for you to have found this use case that's really affecting people's lives? And, and where did the optimism come from for you when you were toiling in obscurity and you were you know, kind of like lesser known, like where did that drive come from intrinsically to really want to start to solve these problems before it was obvious to everyone in, in 2022 that there was really something here? Uh, is there something more intrinsic that, that drives you? Well, I, I, you know, I think the optimism for me always came from community. Uh, mm. to, I have very fond memories of my first DevCon uh, conferences. I remember in Prague when I suddenly opened the door and discovered, you know, all of the amazing Ethereum community and uh, the fact of, you know, of knowing that we're not building this alone, that we are all supporting each other, that we're all learning from each other's projects, that everyone had a very open attitude towards everyone else. And uh, I guess, you know, if I go back to the bear market years and, you know, trying to figure out stuff and doing pilots here and there, what kept me going on is definitely the, the, the thrive or the, the will to learn, the will to learn from amazing people and, you know, a, a, a community that fosters diversity uh, plurality, uh, ideological plurality, um, uh, openness to discuss any kind of idea, and uh, you know, community was really important for me when when you know trying to figure out what we were trying to do. And if you look into the how proof of humanity was born, was born out of you know a, a communal effort. It was the Cleros guys that were trying to figure out this problem as well and had an interesting technology to to sort a key aspect of it. It was Vitalik himself joining me on the different channels and sharing ideas. Uh, a lot of researchers, the radical exchange community, you know, uh, all of the people that you keep meeting along the way. And I could give you a lot of names that you probably know them very well, uh, of people that have been incredibly helpful, that taught me a lot. 
And the, you know, to me, the, the return of investment of working with this technology is how much we get to learn and understand about the world. And then if we can push some code in some repo that actually makes it or that actually has some adoption, even better because, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a nice validation to the effort and the ideas that, you know, we have been trying to research for many years. So to me, not, it's 2021 has been a very generous year. Uh, especially because of what happened with proof of humanity and UBI and the fact that there's, you know, it's a growing community. Like when I think about what I enjoy the most about this project, uh, it's not the price of the token. It's not the, uh, you know, the profiles registered in proof of humanity. It's the community behind it that blows my mind. I discovered very quickly that, you know, members of the community were crowdfunding funds for people that really needed the funds to get their profile on proof of humanity or people that were doing, you know, uh, NFTs to help uh, burn UBI. Uh, and suddenly, to me, the mind-blowing thing about building with decentralized technology uh, and, and, and crypto is that suddenly what it's an idea being built by a small team. Suddenly, all of these uh, innovations get parallelized by the effort of a community. And ideas start, you know, appearing everywhere. And they don't just appear as an idea. Sometimes they even appear in final form. Someone has already developed a vault here or you know a, a contract there, and it's all uh, this conversation, all of this incredible effort being led by a community. And I guess you know Vitalik probably feels the same way when he travels around the world and discovers the local community in every country. It must be a fascinating feeling to see you know a creation uh, that you worked on you know very hard. Uh, writing the paper or, you know, pushing some code and eventually discovering in all countries around the world, more and more people embracing this idea and building stuff with it. And uh, in a smaller way, smaller scale with proof of humanity, the, the most uh, satisfactory thing for me has been that. And I'm sure that you have lived through very similar things with, you know, the incredible growth that Gitcoin had over, over the last years, supporting, uh, you know, the development of these public goods and of this incredible resources that we all all of us then find ourselves using this to build the next interesting experiment yeah and, and there's one thing that i want to say about that is that i know that there are many founders that kind of grinded through the bear market and toiled in obscurity through the the, the just basically years without extrinsic motivation and I've, i feel a special type of a kinship with with those people who have just kind of systematically tried to solve this problem and one of the things that I really love about Web3 is that Gitcoin and Proof of Humanity are so complementary. And then I think about Giveth and then retroactive public goods funding and doing good and radical drips. And it just feels like we're building this pluralistic infrastructure for the public good where this the each of the our projects can can slingshot each other and we can all be successful. And and to me, it's just such a beautiful uh, thing to think about how deeply this could scale to help humans all across the world, but also how pluralistic it is. It doesn't rely on any specific project for all of the success that can happen. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm wondering if if your vision differs from mine at all. Like, what does the space of regenerative crypto economics look like, and how can we all help each other in order to in order to build it? Yeah, it's you know with Web three, I think it's kind of like. Uh, I think I tweeted this recently, like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, you know. And uh, in Web3, what I found that has been incredibly critical for a project to succeed is 
know, where you fit in in the greater puzzle of uh, everything that's going on. And where, where you can make a contribution that is either able to compose with other projects or to leverage, you know, uh, another project and contribute in a specific way that, you know, empowers not only your project, but also the community as a whole. And that's, that's the ethos of open source development. That's the ethos of uh, building with a community, you know, not caring about your code or, you know, intellectual property or stuff like that. I think a lot of that logic is rendered obsolete when you think about, you know, how we build these networks and these systems. And, and that's an, an incredible way of building things. I, like at, at the end of the day, you know, Ethereum is still a subset in the greater movement of open source and free software. And uh, this is, has been going on since, you know, a couple of decades now. And it's just the, the fact that now we are, you know, when we build with crypto, we're actually building institutions. We're building the institutions of the future, the, the way of coordination and organization that it can achieve planetary scale and it can really impact, you know, the planet as a whole. But we're doing it under a philosophy that is really not exactly not the philosophy of, you know, American capitalism of the 20th or 19th century. It's a mm-hmm. complete new way of understanding how we can create value. And it's completely overtaking every every single other model of value generation out there to the point that you have, you know, the largest venture capital firms today embracing Web3 as well, uh, which means it's, it's a cultural triumph all over the place. And in that regard, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the uh, but when we have you no know, looking at what we have been able to achieve so far, it's amazing. But it feels like we are still a very small thing. When we when you walk around the street and when you walk anywhere in the world, there's there's still a world out there waiting to adopt or to discover these new technologies. So it's an exciting time to be in this space because it's still the the very very early days. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is where the foundation is being laid for those. What did you say? Twenty-first century native institutions. That's such a yeah. that's such a big <laughs> statement, Santi. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, um, I, I, I'm looking for big statements. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I do see the foundations of it, but I'm, you know, I I think I'm trying to stay humble as we figure out the scalable path to long-term growth, and I think it's it's. You know, to me, it's holding those two opposing thoughts in my mind of how could this grow in order to be big and civilizational scale while also staying humble about the problems yeah. that we hit day over day, um, which I know That's Gitcoin has plenty, but I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to uh, say that others do as well. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to tell us about proof of humanity, regenerative crypto economics, your view on the world? Uh, what didn't I ask that you want to tell us about? Oh man, I don't know. It's uh, it's been a great conversation already. I think I'm you know I'm I'm excited about proof of humanity and 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 the proof you know either if it's proof of humanity or if it's something else in the future I don't mind. Uh, the fact that you know we are coordinating and, and building on Ethereum, the social Ethereum, I think it's going to be super exciting because you know we have seen on on the Web two movement the emergence of social media. Social media is incredible. It has given us uh, a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has a voice. Everyone is able to speak their truth, whatever that truth is. Sometimes uh, not so much the truth, but you know, everyone has a voice, and that's a big <laughs> thing. Uh, but the exciting thing about a social Ethereum is that it's not about the voice, but it's also about impacting you know the pockets of people. You know, the, 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 you know, it, it really transforming the economy, really transforming how how we address society 
not just from the ability to give people uh, the capacity to speak, but also giving people the capacity to be financially included, the capacity to become, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a member in society where their rights are recognized uh, in a permissionless way without requiring a central authority or without requiring, you know, corruptible institutions in the middle mediating mm-hmm. for our rights. And I'm excited to see the, the growth of the social Ethereum. I think that the next mm. big chapter after DeFi and NFTs, I certainly hope it's it's the social Ethereum where, uh, you know, we we start building technology that starts looking to society, that starts l- really mm. pushing this innovation for uh, and putting this innovation in the hands of everyone, uh, no exceptions. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... Right. Uh, you know, I talked with Vitalik about this and he gave me his view of, you know, in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, you have a lot of incredible technology being built, but a lot of that technology is only purely software driven and has no connection to society or to reality. And so you mm-hmm. have a society where you have a lot of people living in the streets. You have a, lot, a huge problem with homelessness. You have, uh, you know, people, you know, facing very terrible realities in, in living right next to the greatest wealth being generated in more, modern time. So when Vitalik mentioned, you know, was explaining me why he was supporting something like Proof of Humanity, he was telling me, I want to make sure that whatever technology we build is not blinded from impacting society, that we are actually able to push innovation and technology that helps make society and real, uh, real life, you know, for people a better place. And I think that the more we start thinking about social applications on Ethereum, uh, that's going to be, you know, very, very impactful uh, in the same way that social media shaped uh, the world in the last decade. I'm pretty sure that in the next mm-hmm. decade, the social Ethereum is going to really transform people's lives. Amazing. So let me run this quickly definition by you for a genre of crypto economics that I've been working on focusing on, which I call regenerative crypto economics. So basically crypto economic systems that create positive externalities and are generally net positive, create balance and seek equilibrium, and also those that satisfy human needs. Uh, Is there anything you would add, subtract, or change about that definition of regenerative crypto economics, uh, economics that that hits human needs? That's an amazing definition, and I think we should definitely meme uh, regions instead of lesions. Uh, I think uh, regions is a much better uh, philosophy and attitude and spirit than the the lesions that have been you know leading the the narrative yeah. around DeFi the last couple of years. <laughs> yes, well, um, you have done your small part in helping us meme Regen into existence by appearing on the Regenerative Crypto Economics podcast. So, Santi Seri, founder of Proof of Humanity, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, this podcast will be re- released in February, so looking forward to uh, memeing that forward together. When that happens, uh, where can people find you online in the meantime? I'm at Santi Seri, uh, pretty much everywhere. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter. I like to troll and hang out there. Uh, and uh, please come say hi. If you're a friend oh, of Kevin, you're, you're a friend of mine. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Thanks so much, Santi. Great to have you. My pleasure, my friend.